He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you here on a, what is this, a Tuesday, a Wednesday? Wednesday. What is today? It's a Wednesday here in the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> this Wednesday. weather this weather has us all trapped inside. Uh, Taylor couldn't get out on the roads today. Sam had to anyway, so Sam is back. Sam is this about what the weather was like in Scottsdale? Probably pretty similar. Man, you know, it's always great just coming home to absolute blizzard, right? I mean, it's terrible. I, I, I don't even know why we even came home in the first place. I should just move out to Scottsdale. That's the one place that Reagan wouldn't necessarily be upset with if we moved somewhere is Scottsdale. She absolutely loved it. Her, that was her first time there. Greyhawk was beautiful. Scottsdale is always beautiful. Boys, the greens at Greyhawk are rolling quick now. And Colby, I got I to gotta put the needle in you a little bit. I know on the show, I went back and listened to the tape. You did say 75, 76, but you texted me before the round and you said, you're not going to break 80. You're, you said 80, I'm calling I, I said, it. I said 80, I'm calling it. So we've got the text. The text says 80, I'm calling it. Here's the audio. It's like five seconds. Okay. Played it from the tips, played it down, played everything out. What'd you we, shoot? We were playing for money. I shot 79. Oh, that's probably what I'll shoot. No, you'll shoot, mid, <laughs> you'll shoot 74, 75. Yeah, probably so. I mean, it's a tough little track, but you hit it a long ways. So on the text, I said 80. On the show, I said 74, 75. So... Yeah, I mean, even what I said on the show, you beat two out of three times. Full disclosure, the text, whenever I said 80, 80 is what I was rooting for <laughs> because I wanted to be able to talk trash. 74-75 is more where I thought you would be, and you still beat that two out of three rounds. Yeah, I mean, I averaged 72-ish, right? 69-76-72. T-Dub, that 69 out of Greyhawks pretty salty. I mean, that's damn impressive there, Sam, especially the first round out there. You know, it would have been something if 69 was your second or third round. But you just went out guns blazing, man. So I got to ask, you're texting us, Sam, saying how the golf bug's back. You got to tell us, what does it feel like to have the bug in your system again? Yeah, you stole a little bit of my thunder there, T-Dub. I was about to get to the fact that I have the golf bug again. I want to play golf. I want to maybe even play some competitive tournaments this summer. I go out to Scottsdale. It's perfect weather. It's like playing in a dome. And, man, if I don't want to play some more golf after that. And here's the thing about the first 69, the first round is, like Tiger always said, the first day back, you play like a god. The second day back, you play like a beggar. Well, I'll be damned if he wasn't right. I mean, every single time I go out first round, it feels just so good. It feels like everything is where it's supposed to be. The second day back, I start thinking too much, and it all goes to crap. And the third day, I actually played pretty decent. But the point is, boys, we're going to be in for an awesome venue for the national championship out at Greyhawk. That is an unbelievable facility. Probably one of my favorite places to just go chill and play golf. Taylor, we've got Brett Favre over here. He can't decide whether he wants to retire. He keeps retiring and unre no, no, unretiring no, from no, golf. No, I'm, I'm retired. I'm retired, but I, I might mean, go play some amateurs. 
I mean, when, when Sam said that he wanted to play some competitive tournaments again, I almost fell out of my chair here. I almost got a concussion <laughs> from that news. I, I am utterly stunned at this point. T-Dub, why don't you get your amateur status back and we'll play in the four ball this year? Well, you know, it's probably a good theory because, you know, I say that if I'm going to play golf, I might as well make some money doing it. But the last few times I played, I hadn't made any damn money. So <laughs> I might as well try to do that. Um all right, we're in. So, so I got two options here. I can either get my amateur status back, or I can try to get really good at golf. And I don't know which one to do yet. Well, Taylor, if, I mean, if you're not out grinding today in the blinding sleet, thirty mile an hour north wind, <laughs> then you're losing ground to your competitors. That's just the reality. I'm losing strokes gain practicing, guys. Losing strokes gain practicing on day like. Boys, I will say that the greens out of Greyhawk were rolling about like this street is rolling out here. Those those greens are quick, and they have a bunch of undulation. It's really the course's only defense with how far those guys hit it in college. But, you know, I, I think the scores, like we saw last year, will be lower than what we saw at the Blessings in Karsten. However, you know, you can get in some bad places around those greens, short-sided, where you have no chance. Plus, even if you're on the green, you don't necessarily have the easiest two-putt in the world. You know, it's always good to get back out there and play a course that you watch on TV as well and kind of get a feel for what those guys are seeing. And I was honestly a little bit surprised with when I heard that they moved a bunch of tees back because I went back to the back tee box on every single hole and it still wasn't very long, right? It, it, it wasn't the longest course in the world. I think a lot of guys, if they're on their game, can eat that course up, especially on the back nine. The front nine's a little harder. Well, and the ball really carries and travels in Scottsdale. Yep. And that's one thing, even whenever I was there, it was mid-70s both days that I played. And it really wasn't that long because the ball carries, the course is firm. I mean, it's not like rock-hard concrete like Riviera was, but it's a firm golf course. It's, it's hot conditions, ball's carrying. So the number on the card... I don't really think it plays that long. Even for, And you're a long hitter. I'm a short hitter. But I kind of felt the same way you did. It didn't play as long as I thought it would have it played. I hit a bunch of drivers out there, too, which is the point of there's not much wind in Scottsdale. And so you there's don't... There's not any wind in Scottsdale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except the last day, there actually was a little bit. But, really? Okay. But here's the deal is... is a lot of those tee shots aren't as intimidating without any wind. Now, if you had like a 15-mile-an-hour wind off the left on some of these holes, you might be a little more nervous you're going to hit it in the junk, right? And so I think that if the wind did pick up, uh, then you might see some higher scores, obviously. Um, but for the most part, there's a bunch of wedges in your hands out at Greyhawk, and, and its main defense is, is on the greens. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, the hunt man, he, he played with me a couple times too. So he, he played – some decent golf out there as well. So it, it was a good time, and I'm I'm glad to be back, boys. Uh, did anything happen while I was gone? I didn't see anything in the headlines. Nothing happened, right? Nothing. You didn't really miss anything. They, they played the Genesis. <laughs> Joaquin Neiman won a golf tournament, and here we are. That's pretty much all that's going on. No, I was talking but, about Phil, though. But, but before we move on, before we move on from Greyhawk, Taylor, you saw the same video I did of Huntman throwing a dart at number one. He birdied his first hole. I, I need your swing <laughs> review, Taylor. I need Huntman swing review from the swing extraordinaire, Taylor Williams. I mean, the Huntman, if that if that's not a swing built on accuracy and precision, I don't know what is. That has uh, that has champions tour Bernhard Langer beating his ass Britain all over it. So I think that once the Huntman decides he wants to retire from a little uh, – little uh, sports talk radio in the state of Oklahoma. I think we can work on that champions tour journey. If Barnhart Langer can do it, the Huntman can do it. I have no doubt about it. <laughs> I love it. That I was perfect. Uh, Huntman also made back-to-back -back birdies at one point. He did. 
And now that might have been one of the only times in my I life. Mean, that what we, more do you want? That we made birdie on the same hole. Uh, what was it, 17? It was number 14. 14. Uh, Greyhawk. Jog my but memory. 14 it, a, a short little par four. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. straight. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, he throws a dart in there. We were working on getting his trajectory up a little bit, T-Dub. He, he, he likes to hit that nice, low, piercing, head-high draw. Uh, and so we were working on getting it above, above head-high. Yeah, so as as long that that's the ultimate Oklahoma shot, right? You want to keep it low, let it run, <laughs> let it get up there. He plays out an oak tree a lot. That's not necessarily the best uh, best oak tree shot out there, but uh, you know if the Huntman does decide to pursue this championship endeavor, we'll, we'll get him out to Scottsdale. He spends a decent amount of time out there, but we want to get him some more time that way he can get fully ingrained to what he's going to get into. So I think just I think the weather, you know, what he usually plays in has a lot to do with that shot. But uh, I'm sure you got him straightened out. Tim, the swing I saw looked pretty damn good, man. The Hump Man might have you guys confused, but he's already 70. We need, like, the Super Champions Tour for the Hump Man. Hump Man's 70. Hump Man, Hump Man don't look 70. He doesn't. Hump Man's in good shape for 70. <laughs> if I'm is. still swinging a golf no, club that well when I'm 70, I mean, I don't swing it much better than that at 29. If I'm still swinging it that well at 70, something's <laughs> going very right for me. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's just dive in a little bit because, yes, Sam, a couple of things did happen while you were gone. Everything went nuclear with what's going on with the Saudis and Phil and the PGA Tour and some of the things Rory said and some quotes from some other guys, Billy Horschel coming out. Uh, I mean, where, where do we even want to start here? Get, since you weren't here last week, give us kind of your 10,000 feet overview and then we'll kind of dive into the statement that Phil released a little bit yesterday. Okay, so we saw the younger guys. And, and, and so let me, I can finally say this and I've known this for a while now. Um, you know, the Saudis, the, the tour was planning on, the Saudi league was planning on, you know, having some older guys and having captains, right? And then trying to recruit younger guys, okay? And that's why you see the older guys already either handshake deal or signed, as Westwood, you know, said that he did. Um, but if you don't get any of the younger guys recruited to go over there, there's no tour, okay? And so this week we saw a Bunch, and I mean a bunch of players pledged their allegiance to the PGA Tour. Mainly, the biggest statements I saw were John Rahm, and then obviously Rory McIlroy, and even Justin Thomas. Now, on Bryson's comments, he didn't really pledge his allegiance to the PGA Tour. He more or less said, "You know, I'm on the PGA Tour right now, and as long as the best players in the world are on the PGA Tour, then that's where I'll be." Uh, same thing, kind of with DJ. He didn't really give. Uh, a full-on commitment to the PGA Tour. Now, there was a bunch of guys who did. So, then we have the Phil Bomb dropped by uh, Shipnuck. Yep. Okay? And he is a great journalist, and I believe every word that he says about it not being you, off the record. You said he did a story on you? He did a story on me when I had cancer, uh, or right after I had cancer, and I was working my way back um, – and it, and it was actually, the story came out during COVID, okay? And so it, it was kind of how I had cancer and then COVID hit again, right? And so kind of my college career. Anyways, he's a great journalist, and I believe every word that he says um, about the whole Phil situation. And I, I think Phil came off with major, major egg in his face. And I love Phil. I love Phil normally, but man, if he doesn't know how to issue an apology, because that was one of the worst apologies ever. Uh, and Colby, talk for a second, because I want to find the Brandel Chambly tweet that he tweeted out yesterday, because I thought it was absolutely perfect on on what Brandel said. He 
I'll do I'll do you one better. You have it? I've got Brandel's statement right here. So okay. if you haven't seen the big, long Phil statement, and I think most people have, um, he, he talks about, you know, what he said. Uh, he kind of tries to pass the blame to Shipnuck. He said that his, his statements were off the record, uh, which off the record isn't a thing unless it's agreed to by the journalist and the subject. Um, he, he goes on to talk about Liv Goff. He, he shows a lot of love to Liv Goff and all this stuff. So anyway, here, here's the tweet that you were referencing from Brandel. Brandel said, just read Phil's statement. It's six paragraphs. The first paragraph sets the stage for him being a victim. The second paragraph is him pretending to be an activist. The third and fourth paragraphs are about spin and damage control money. And the fifth and sixth are him saying that he's a good guy. So uh, Brandel went after him pretty good. Taylor, what were your thoughts kind of on what Brandel said? And I mean, when this dropped from Phil yesterday, it was a big deal. Like, everybody, I I know I did. I stopped what I was doing, immediately read it. It was a big deal. What were your thoughts as soon as you read the statement from Phil and then kind of some of the reaction we've gotten? So, the first thing I want to say is this whole on-the-record, off-the-record thing. I said it last night in our text. I'll say it again. If you want something to be off-the-record, don't freaking say it. It's pretty simple. So, if if you don't want that to be said, just, just keep your mouth shut. Pretty Correct, simple. but real so, quick, real still quick. Still messed up on that part. I will say this. T-Dub, real quick. If you do release something as a journalist that someone else said was off the record, that's pretty much suicide for your journalism career, well, I'll, which I'll, is why I think that Shipnuck's not lying. And, and, real, and real quick, there, there, There's no doubt about that. I was talking about the bills. I got you. But no, what, I was just going to say that, I, I mean, I went to journalism school. I have a degree. I, I know people who work in this field. I've interviewed people. Off the record is an agreement between a subject and a journalist. Off, like, if, if I'm writing a story about you, Sam, and you call and you say, hey, I've got some things to say that are off the record, and I, as the journalist, say, look, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to take these statements off the record. They're on the record, or, or you better not say them. It, it's an agreement. You can't just say off the record and it's off the record. It's an agreement. Shipnuck was, and I think that a lot of that is misunderstood. Like, off the record isn't something that the subject just gets to declare. It's either an agreement or it's on the record. Correct, but most of the, t- most of the time you have the journalists never release the off-the-record stuff because they don't want to ruin their relationship with the person who told them the off-the-record off stuff. Okay, right? go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, my point there was on Phil's aspect, not to, not ship next by any stretch. I think that if you're a top five, top ten golfer of all time and you don't want something to be said, just don't tell the journalists. I think that's pretty simple. And anyway, if you wanted to be off-the-record, like I said, we're kind of past those days of does it really matter. I mean, you literally condone supporting murderers to try to make your cause better. So, I mean, I think you lost that battle long before it even started. So, you know, just going going back to kind of what Chamblee said, I mean, I, I ripped Chamblee a couple of weeks ago for him ripping Phil, but as Phil keeps going on and on, just seems to make uh, Chamblee and everyone else's case look even better, which which to me, guys, really sucks because I, I still believe that there's a lot of ways that the tour can improve and be better. And – I think the Saudi league was in at one point an attempt to make that stuff happen and to betterment the touring golf in general. But I, I think that with all the comments that have happened over the last week in particular, it's, it's pretty much just making the Saudi league look bad as opposed to the PGA tour sitting back and analyzing what, um, what they need to be better. And, you know, one thing I heard yesterday that was kind of, kind of frustrating on my end was they kept talking about the uh, mandatory players meeting um, that they had yesterday. And they were saying that, you know, the, the players and no one like stood up and, and condoned Phil or no one stood up and supported Phil or supported going to Saudi league. And I'm like, what, you think players are just going to stand up in front of everyone and just leave the meeting? Like, no, that's not going to happen. There was not going to be one player that was going to support Saudi in that meeting. So 
anyone who thought that was going to happen was just an idiot. So, you know, I just want to want to let that out there. But as far as, it, you know, getting back to Phil, we kind of alluded to it on, on Monday when Sam was gone. Just, I mean, how bad does this look for him? And I will say this. I do think there are a lot of people who are saying that, that Phil's reputation is like officially tarnished and it will never be back. And I just want to remind people of Tiger. It's like if, if Tiger can come back from that, I mean, I think Phil can come back from this scrutiny. And, you know, they, they were alluding to this a little bit on the golf channel, but it will be important to see, you know, it's does Phil have stuff going on behind behind the scenes that we don't know about? Is he having type of money issues? We know about the uh, the gambling stuff that he had a long time ago. So, I mean, it's, you know, if we find out about that stuff, then it's going to make things a lot more real. But right now he's just coming off as as smug, arrogant guy who wants money. And that really sucks, guys, because, like I said, I think that we were on a process to make the tour better. I never thought the Saudi League was going to overtake the PGA Tour, but I did think it was going to be a slap in the face for the PGA Tour to start getting some things done better than they should. And, unfortunately, I think this is kind of diluting from that fact. Um, What do you guys think of that take? Well, I think that Phil will come back from this quicker if he disavows the Saudi League. Right? I mean, if he continues to double down and even tries to make this happen, I mean, it's going to linger on, and it's going to linger and linger and linger, and his reputation is only going to get worse to me. Um, but by, it, by the way, the only people that he specifically apologized to in this statement was Live Golf Investments. He said, my experience with Live Golf Investments has been very positive. That's the group run by Greg Norman that was kind of using the Saudi Public Investment Fund to get this thing off the ground. And then he said, I apologize for anything I said that was taken out of context, which, by the way, I need to steal that from Phil because if I ever get in any hot water, I'm just going to say, I apologize for anything I said that was taken out of context. I mean, that's brilliant. Exactly. And my other point was going to be about the older guys. They obviously just saw a payday at the end of their career where a Bryson now has a huge decision to make because even if you have a guaranteed $135 million, I don't care, are you going to make that up in endorsements that you're going to lose if you go over there? I think that you know now you're not only seeing – the PGA Tour hadn't even banned any of these guys yet, and you're already seeing endorsers, you know, endor- endorsement companies and, and, and everything that we've seen. They're, they're already kind of disavowing Phil. I mean, we saw KPMG, KPMG and Workday so, drop so Phil. KPMG has dropped Phil. Workday has not dropped Phil, but the expectation, Phil's current deal with Workday runs until just before the Masters. He's got about a month left on his contract with Workday. Right. And I think one bit of news that went very under the radar last week in the game of golf, there was so much going on. Workday hired a new international golf ambassador last week. His name is Rory McIlroy. <laughs> Signed on with Workday last week. I think a week ago today, he signed on with Workday. Yep. Phil's deal is over in about a month with Workday, so you expect that he will lose that. He lost KPMG yesterday. They issued a very short statement saying we've mutually agreed to part ways and uh, we wish Phil the best. So, yeah, I mean, sponsors are going to have a, a, a big problem with some of the stuff Phil said last week because, again, Phil just said kind of the stuff that everybody was avoiding. To- like, we know, we know what's going on in Saudi Arabia. We know that they, they chopped a journalist up a couple of years ago. They execute people for being gay. All this. We know this stuff. But none of the players, nobody involved with this, had just said all that stuff out loud. And you say all that stuff out loud and you put your name on it, it's, it changes things. It, it, it changes things. It definitely does. And my point, my question is, if you're a guy like Bryson, is it worth it? Is the money worth it to take the hit, PR hit? Taylor? 
you know, it's it's weird because you make the aspect of, you know, is it worth it for someone like Phil or Ian Poulter, Henry Stinson or whatever like we talked about, or is it worth it for Bryce and someone well, who's roughly obvious. our it's age, it's not obvious, even 30? It's so, obviously worth it to the older guys, right? I'm talking about a younger star. Is it worth it to a Hovland? Is it worth it to a Bryson? Is it worth it to a DJ even to go over there when they're in the prime of their careers and, and take the huge PR hit and maybe lose out on endorsement money where they could have good PR over here and the endorsement? money well you know you look at it so you look at the guys who have been you know towards the top of the money list on the pg picture they're making between eight and nine million a year sometimes upwards of close to 10 depending on if they have a really good year that will probably increase with with the purses going up so you look at that and you say well i could be the best player on tour for four years or five years and let's just say five years at 10 million and that's that's being really generous you're you're going to make 50 million dollars if that's the case and you know, you look at this and I don't, you know, they talk about a hundred and something million dollars and it's like, well, how long is that for? Is that a 10 year contract? Is that a two year contract, one year contract, whatever it is. And so, you know, whenever you add that up, you have to be, you'd have to be number one on the PGA tour for 13 seasons to be able to get to that mark. And I understand that's not including endorsements and all that. So I think for a lot of these guys, guys, it's, it comes simply down to, do you want to guarantee yourself to make money now with a risk of getting a lot of public scrutiny. Because, you know, we think about this, guys, with, with the age that we live in, you know, everything just happens so fast, right? So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, if two weeks, if Phil comes out in a – I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if this happened, but this is just an example. Like, if Phil came out and apologized to PJ Tour everything, I think his reputation would probably be solved in, in a few weeks to a month. And so I, I think that if that happened within six months, we wouldn't even remember if this happened. It would be just a – it'd be under the rug, wouldn't even, wouldn't even realize it. And so – I think for a lot of these guys, it's kind of like I mentioned, I've talked about this before. It's like, I don't think that the Saudi league is even a good business endeavor at all. So, you know, I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think the Saudi league, even if it started, would be around in 20 years. So you think about it this way, you can go over there, you can collect your hundred and something, 130 million for, let's just say five years or whatever. Then you can let the scrutiny slide by while you have all that money. And then eventually come out and start playing good golf or start playing on the tour again. I mean, I would be surprised if the Saudi league came up and then dissolved away, if the tour would still ban those players from playing. It would find me really hard to believe that. We're looking multiple years down the road on this aspect. But I will say this. I do think that over the last week, it, it's kind of weird because over the last week, it looks like the Saudi league is so bad. But then two weeks ago, it, it seemed like it was almost a done deal and that a lot of these players were just going to take the money and run. So, I do think that obviously the endorsements have a lot to do with it, but at the same time, if you can make that much money really quick, it's it's kind of be hard for me to say no. You know, that's just, I'm just going to put it that way. Well, and, and that's why there's levels to which players had been offered, how much they'd been offered, and could go because like. Phil, for example, Phil over the last decade has probably averaged roughly $50 million a year between on and off course earnings that include endorsements. I know I saw a figure the other day in 2016, uh, Forbes had him at $53 million was his income in 2016. So it it depends, Taylor, if you're like uh, Kramer Hickok, who was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, who makes $1.7 million a year. You do that for 10 years. He doesn't have a ton of off-the-course stuff. Let's say he's making another 300 k in off-the-course stuff. That's not that much. But if you're a megastar, I mean, these megastars make big, big money off the course. These megastars probably make upwards of 70% or more of their money off the course. And I, I think that that number would be seriously diminished if they went over to a league funded by the Saudi government. Correct. And the Kramer Hickox of the and, world. And I, I will... 
the Kramer Hickox of the world aren't the ones that the Saudis are truly after, right? It's the megastars that are right. going to get them to, you know, the heights that they want to get to, to where they can take over the PGA Tour. Now, there's two ways of looking at it. It's take the guaranteed money, but then you also have the Rory McIlroy's of the world who are saying, I'm already rich, <laughs> right? Right. And, and even a Hovland, he can basically say, I'm going to be rich. Like, I mean, he already is extremely rich, right? Well, he can but, put guac on his burrito at Chipotle correct, now. On the PGA Tour, correct. right? And, correct. and he's going to make that up without the PR hit if he doesn't go over there, in my opinion. Go ahead, Taylor. I'll say this. I'll say that, you know, just from the way we're talking here, we're assuming that, you know, any golfer that goes to the Saudi League is going to lose literally all their sponsorships. And I do think that it would diminish, like you were saying, but I do think there were people who would still want to back a top five uh, player in the world. And I will say this, it's I don't think Phil's getting the backlash he's getting for wanting to join the Saudi League. I think he's getting the backlash for, one, literally saying that they're murderers, and then in the same sentence, them for literally hiring the lawyers to draft the uh, contract or whatever it is for the Saudi League to try to make it better. So I, I think that Phil's getting the ultimate public scrutiny for this, and as long as other people, as long as other golfers don't hire lawyers for them and don't straight up just say they're murderers and then want to condone them, I don't think that Oh, you cut out for just a second there, Taylor. But lose sponsorships. I don't think it'd be near as bad as what we're seeing from Phil Kirk. There we go. Yeah. Okay. We got your point there at the end. You cut out for just a second. But, Sam, I did want to bring something up last night because somebody asked you on Twitter if the PGA Tour could suspend Phil for this. And I think that there's some some confusion over it. So, yes, the Tour can suspend Phil but for this. But they wouldn't. It, it seems unlikely that they would. I mean, they could have already because they don't have to announce is the beautiful thing right. with tour suspensions. There is a clause in the PGA Tour handbook, as there are with many businesses, that uh, in many sports leagues, they have the right to suspend or ban players for conduct detrimental, conduct unbecoming, things of that nature. Now, you could make a pretty strong argument that drafting articles of organization for a competing league is conduct detrimental. Now, that being said... Does the tour really want to suspend Phil because then you do come off as the dictatorship that's not willing to take criticism from your players? Then on the other side, it's like, well, if you don't suspend Phil now for this, does it – I mean, I don't know. This this is a business decision for the PGA Tour, and there's a lot of options to be weighed. I don't expect Phil to be suspended. I don't think he's suspended. I think he is legitimately just taking some time. Uh, he even said, uh, I need some time away to prioritize the ones I love most and work on being the man I want to be. So, you know, I mean, there were rumors years back, nearly a decade ago, about DJ taking a, a break from the tour, and was he taking a break or was he suspended? And now people are asking the same questions about Phil. I do legitimately think that he's just taking a break. But if he were to get suspended, I don't taking, think we would ever find out about it. I don't think he's taking a break to hang out with his family. I think he's been working his ass off on trying to get this Saudi league started up and, and recruit guys to the Saudi league, right? But now what? Exactly. Now what? I, I mean, I, I don't, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Tyler, do you, do you think, I mean, the tour, if they wanted to, they would be within their legal rights to suspend Phil. Do you think they would? Do you think they should? Yeah, so, so on that aspect, I looked it up a little bit. So, you know, the thing that's going to get around a lot of this legal issue, even for players wanting to go to Saudi and uh, that they're willing to say they can't go, is it has to do with the player handbook, according to what I'm reading. So, essentially, the players sign off for all this stuff. They sign off for saying, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll play so many events on the PJ Tour. You're only allowed to play, I think, three events that are on another tour. Um, it's one of the reasons why um, 
you know, this was kind of mixed up as well, is that uh, Turner Sports is the one that had to pay the $1 million for the, uh, like, the matches that were happening. Um, Phil came out and said it was him, but according to a little bit more digging, that, that was done by some other guys. So there was Turner Sports. So basically all that stuff's in the handbook. So legally, yes, they can do it. I think that they definitely shouldn't do it immediately if they're doing it. I think that you need to give it some time and see if, if what more happens with, with the side. And that's one thing I want to ask you guys. Like two weeks ago, we thought that this, this was a done deal and thought that players were going to go. It was just a matter of how bad. Did the side of the league really dissolve in one week? That's my question for you guys. Um, I, I mean, if you're just asking me yes or no, I think I would answer yes. Because at this point, I don't think any of the big young stars are going to be willing to take the hit. So now it's, I mean, are you really going to put a tour together with Henrik Stenson, Justin Rose, Lee Westwood, and Phil Mickelson? I I don't know, man. Who, who, who's watching thought- that? Well, I think before they thought that there was a great chance that they were going to get at least two or three of the big, big young stars. Yeah. And, well, and now and I, I guess, don't. I guess theoretically you could go to the Corn Ferry Tour and try to lure in some young guys whose careers could go up in smoke any day. But Right, but that's but not again, what they need. But again, that's not what they're trying to invest hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in. It's it's everything they've been working toward was undone in the span of a few days, really. It's, I did see a It's good, remarkable how it, how it, it wound up. It really is. I, I saw a good tweet that said the Saudi League in one week basically went from, you know, a Super League to one step below the Champions Tour. It's like the, the 45 to 50-year-olds. Right. There's a very small window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Taylor, do you think it's done? I will say this. I'll say that if it is done, like as in done as in like it's not going to happen, that's really, really crazy to me. You don't really see multi-million dollar investments just fizzle overnight like that. So it's, and I understand where the money's coming from and all that. So I, I will say this. I do think that there will be some sort of attempt at it. Um, I do think that it would be interesting to see if there will be some sort of, maybe not exactly what they were talking about with the Super League with the $130 million, but you know, like, they came out and there's a, it's not necessarily the same thing, but there's the uh, 10 events series on the Asian tour, that kind of thing. So there may be some expansion of that when it comes to like guaranteed contracts and paying the players to play in that. Um, but it, it's really, really hard to see, just like we were talking about, guys, if, if there's going to be any top 10 players that go over there. Or they could just, like I said, I didn't think it was a very good business decision to start off with. So they might just throw out the, the uh, multi-million dollars to these 45 to 50-year-olds to try to get him to play. And, I mean, it would be interesting for the first few weeks, but then I think it'd probably get pretty diluted after a while, especially if, you know, there's talks that they're wanting to show tournaments along the same time as some of the PJ Tour's biggest events. And that's not going to work very well for them if they're not able to get these big players. So I definitely think there'll be something in the works there, but I think it's going to be pretty different from what we had been talking about the last few months. Guys. Yeah, the next step is going to be to see whether Phil Mickelson not only – continues his push for the Saudi tour, but will he just totally say I was wrong and, you know, stay on the PGA tour? I don't see that happening. See, because like Taylor said earlier, Taylor, I think you're right. I think Phil could totally repair his image in the span of a week. If he did that. If he came out and said, I am so sorry for doing all this. I was blinded by the money and I thought I could do something good here, making a change with the PGA tour. And I lost myself in it. I am, I am terribly sorry. uh, And and I want to be a part of the PGA tour because they've given me everything I have. If he came out and said that, 
overnight, he would turn back into hero Phil Mickelson. Yeah, exactly. And now I think there's a good chance we might not even see Phil Mickelson at Southern Hills because if the PGA Tour takes a stand against Phil Mickelson, who's really close to the PGA Tour? The PGA of America. Now, are they going to let Phil defend his championship at the PGA? I mean, that's a good question. Nobody knows. But will we see what, – what? let me pose this question a different way. What if they found a different backing? Like, what if Donald Trump funded the tour? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, are we – because the thing is, you asked that question, no, Donald Trump would not be nearly as controversial as the Saudis – Donald right. Trump would still be controversial. What if, like, Switzerland... But he's not... Back to the tour. Donald Trump didn't murder no, no, journalists no, 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 no. and stuff. That's what I'm saying. I'm, but maybe I'm, that's I'm just a saying, bad example. What if Elon Musk or that's someone... That's what I'm saying. Let's you know, just use, whatever. like, a totally, like, yeah. neutral third whatever. party. Because yeah. also, I mean, Trump obviously has a history with the PGA now right. with yeah. losing and the PGA Championship He was saying that he would have stuff. the Saudis uh, at his courses because... Correct, correct. Because he doesn't have any more tournaments, you know, on his courses. But anyways... So yeah, but, like but what a, if it was a neutral third right. party with no baggage? Right. What like seriously? What if Switzerland had a public investment fund and they were like, "Hey, let's start up a golf tour." I I think that would work. I do too. Because it's it's the baggage of where the money's coming from that made it all so messy, Taylor. Well, I mean, what here? You know, we kind of posed this a couple weeks ago, but I want to ask you guys again, just off that aspect. Let's just say you guys are right. And we have an Elon Musk or another country, whatever, maybe with no baggage at all, just like the cleanest record you could think of. Um, wanting to start up a tour. What would the P- How would the PGA go against that? Because right now they're using the defense of human rights uh, issues. But and once again, I'll go back to the China thing. But we'll leave that for another day. But I mean, what would the what would the tour say? Do you think the tour would just allow that to happen? No, There's I'd- like zero chance of that. I think if it ever got serious, so, I mean, guys, what, like what do y'all Sa- think that? What would the tour say to try to shut it down? If it ever got serious, like the Saudi league kind of did before all the bad PR this past week, I think that if it ever did happen, that might be the day that you see guaranteed money on the PGA Tour. Yeah, could be, could be, and and look, a lot of guys have come out and said really good things about the tour over the last, really especially week, but over the last couple of months, there have been some legitimate complaints from guys about where money is going and stuff like that. Now, I will say some of the statements that Phil made about media rights at $20 billion, I mean, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts, read a bunch of stories. I've tried to research and see any, just try to find any kind of numbers. Nobody has any idea where Phil got any of these numbers. So, Well, the players don't even know where the I'm, money goes. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this, guys. I'll say that. Because the problem is, is that all these media rights that they're talking about is like archived footage, for example, and archived for like every player. So the problem is, is that in this digital age that we live in, it's it, there's no way to get an appraisal essentially on what that price is. It's it's like a it's like a, a Pokemon card or a baseball card, right? Like on the surface of it, it's worth like two cents, but if it's got the right image on it and it's in the right condition, it can be worth freaking a hundred thousand dollars or two million dollars or fifty million dollars or whatever it is so i don't think until you put these media these players media rights on an open market there's literally no way to distinguish what they could be they could be worth a hundred dollars they could be worth 500 billion dollars depending on who wants to pay the price so i think that it's really hard to say that feels right feels wrong on that aspect because literally you don't know because you don't have a market for it i agree I I think more what I was getting at, I think Phil kind of phrased it in a way that made it sound like the PGA Tour is sitting on $20 billion. And from from every bit of research I've done over the last couple of weeks, 
that certainly is not the case. Now, that would be a high number. That would be very high if it was let's – put, let's put it this way. If the, meet, if the rights went on an open market, that would probably be about the highest you've seen. It probably wouldn't get that high either. But, you know, some of the numbers I've seen are in the, the lower millions or whatever it may be, and I think it's a lot higher than that. I think it's kind of like the analogy I made earlier. The PJ Tour is looking at it as saying, oh, well, this is just a, uh, you know, a piece of video. You know, so this isn't worth anything. So it's like, oh, these baseball cards I have, they're worth two cents each. So, yeah, they're not worth anything. But all of a sudden, oh, man, you got the uh, – whatever the real famous uh, baseball card is out there, you have that in your in your collection. All of a sudden, it's worth a lot more. And it's like you go to those media rights. <clears throat> Man, you try to sell some of those Tiger media rights, you want to know how much those things would go for? I mean, you talk about NFTs and stuff like that because that's one of the things Phil was talking about. There, there's such a wild market for that. I wouldn't buy any of it, but I know a lot of people that would. So I just think that, you know, just kind of like what I was saying, it's, that, that is definitely the high-end number, that billion dollar whatever. But it's just there's no way to prognosticate it right now, Sam. Yeah, I think Tiger summed it up pretty well when he was asked about it, and he said, you know, good competition on the PGA Tour or against the PGA Tour is always good. Now, and I think that the Saudi League did set up kind of a, a game plan or a blueprint to be able to go against the PGA Tour, and that's not a bad thing. The bad thing was where the money was coming from, so we might in the future see something, but as far as right now with the Saudi League, I'll sum it up because we got to get to other stuff, but I'll sum it up as, you know, the Saudi League, to me, is done after this week, especially after what Rory McIlroy said and what Justin Thomas said. I, I think it's done in the form they wanted it to exist. Correct. I, I think the form that it might turn into something else, but right. the form they wanted it to exist, I think that ship has probably sailed. Taylor, closing thoughts on uh, just this whole Phil controversy before we move on. I, I agree with, with what you guys just said right there. I think that it's uh, it, it, there may be, still be some things in works. And I do think there will be some stuff that comes from this, but it's not going to be anywhere close to like they were talking about with the and they may still do like the team captain thing and all that, but it's not going to be they're not going to have fifty players with. 50 of them being in the top 150 in the world and five of them being in the top 15. I think that shift has sailed. And, um, you know, in all honesty, as much as I said I wanted good things to happen for the tour, I'm not like Phil. I would prefer not to partner with murderers if uh, if that's the case. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to ride the ship with, with what it's given to you. So I, I completely agree with you guys. It's definitely uh, not going to work out the way that they would. And you know what? Rightfully so, in my opinion. And as far as the PGA Tour bans, to sum it up real quick, I don't think that they will – suspend or ban Phil or anybody who has had talks with the Saudis, I do think that they'll suspend or ban them if they sign to the Saudi League and try to compete against the PGA Tour. I don't think that Phil has done enough to warrant a suspension or a ban yet. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out because, uh, again, the tour can keep all that stuff secret, too, if they want to. So yep. we'll see if Phil has anything more to say, how this whole thing progresses. But I uh, want to remind everybody to go over and see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Ring Family Dentistry, they go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible, delivering same-day crowns for more than 20 years with the absolute leading edge of technology. All decisions are made by the patient at Ring Family Dentistry. Some dentists can over-treat. It's their philosophy that patients in their office should only have done what they absolutely absolutely need. If they can't show why treatment is needed, they will not prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Ring family 
dentistry. Uh, all right, fellas, why don't we take a break, come back on the other side. We've got some exciting stuff still to go on today's show. We're going to be joined by Will Four of Oklahoma City University. Uh, they get it done out in Vegas, both the men and the women. We're going to talk to Will about the week out there and all the success they had. We're going to talk about the new U.S. Ryder Cup captain. That news dropped this morning, and then we will preview the Honda Classic. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Glad everybody is with us. Make sure you go give us a follow on Twitter at the 73rd Hole, Instagram, 73rd Hole. Uh, Make sure you rate, review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Joining us now, Will Four of Oklahoma City University. Four, teeing off for the stars. (laughs) Will Four. Will, how many times have you had that joke about your last name made, and at what point did it start getting old? Uh, it's been one too many. Um, every golf course I go to, the the more difficult parts when you go to dinner with a reservation, and you only have three people sitting down for dinner, but the last name's four. It really confuses the hostess. If she doesn't know whether to sit four people or the last name of four. <laughs> so. Fair enough. We've also established now every time we have on a player that we haven't had on before, we're just going to ask them. Have you been approached by the Saudis? Yes or no? No. no, no. <laughs> Good to I'm know. Not going, I'm not going either way. Good to know. So, uh, obviously, y'all's program is unbelievable. Oklahoma City University, the Stars, number two ranked team in the country. Five of five tournaments this year have resulted in wins. You finished second this week out in Vegas. What was that tournament like, and what's it feel like to be part of one of the best programs uh, in college golf? Um, well, first off, it's definitely an honor to play at OCU they've had such a good history and then when the coach reached out to me to come play I was really excited about it we got a great group of guys here and they can really jam golf and so it's it's fun uh being a part of a really successful team um as for the tournament in Vegas it it was tough it was our first tournament of the spring and um when we first all got back first semester it was snowy and ice so we didn't practice much. and then, But when we found out we were going to Vegas, we were excited. The first two days were really calm and nice weather. And um, then when the tournament came, it just was blowing 40 miles per hour. 
a different uh, wind than what we were doing in the practice round. And it, it was a tough course. The fairways were tight. And then with the wind blowing, if you miss the fairways, it's just bush and desert. So it's hit or miss if you can find your ball or even play it. Now, Will, I'm looking here, and in the final round, you shot three under 69, and everyone else was, like you said, struggling with the windy conditions. I mean, it, it seemed like you guys were playing the Predator off Tiger Woods out there with how hard it was playing, and you go out and fire 69 in the final round with an eagle on number 13 uh, to get to propel you into uh, the second-place finish. Now, tell me about that final round and, and what was going well for you. I mean, yeah, as far as the final round, um, at the end of the day, when we looked, we were in first, but it was only by a couple of shots. Um, the people on our team, we know we've got great ball strikers and everything. And so the way that we were going to win was just fairways and greens. If you make a par out in those conditions, it felt like a birdie. So it gave you extra motivation. And so instead of, you know, not being, I'm birding every hole and getting upset, we took it hole by hole. And then that was, that was my mindset. If I made a par, I didn't lose a shot. Most of the times you would gain a shot on the field if you just made a par. So my whole mindset was just keep it in play, keep it manageable. And then when on the holes I could score on, I, I did a good job of that. So it, it, was, it was a great tournament for that. I mean, it was a good round. You know, well, you kind of alluded to it in that first part where you talk about how the weather changed. <clears throat> so drastically once the tournament started um you know with you being a senior you've probably seen a lot of crazy weather college golf you know whenever if someone could have prepared me for college golf one of the things I would have number one thing I would wish they would tell me is you know describe the type of weather you're going to play in because I played in 30 degree weather with 25 30 mile an hour north wind so kind of tell us some of the worst weather days you're played in and how you and your team prepare for those days um well the Probably one of the worst was actually when I was in junior, uh, at a junior college. I was at McLennan, and we went to Midland for a tournament. And we got there, and there was ice on the flagpole still. <laughs> and it was, blowing, it was blowing 30, and it was a north wind. It was super cold. Um, so, I mean, after that day, I was like, I'm not going to be shocked in what el whatever else we have to play in. You know, everybody's playing the same course. So it's all about who can control their emotions, you know, stay focused on what they can do. And usually those people come out on top. So yeah, being I'm a senior and playing in some of the worst, that, that's definitely helped me to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And clearly a lot of things have gone right. Now I'm curious, uh, you all are ranked number two in the country. OCU's women's team ranked number one in the country. You both win at the Las Vegas shootout this week. What's the competition like between the men's team and the women's team? Any any talking trash, bragging rights, supporting each other? What What is that like, having two of the best teams? You know, we, we see them at practice sometimes, and they, they're doing their own thing. We're doing our own thing most of the time. They've they've got a great team over there, and they got a bunch of freshmen in as well that can that can really play. Um, I was upset that they shot lower to par than we did. I felt like we were on an easier they were on an easier course this week. So you know they they got the direct flight back to OKC from Las Vegas. We had to connect their feet. So I wasn't too happy about that, but. 
I was just going to bring up uh, Andy Crabtree and uh, obviously longtime coach uh, Kyle Blazer was at OCU for many years, and now you guys have Andy Crabtree over there who used to be the assistant coach at Tulsa and I think Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So tell me about how uh, Coach Crabtree has kind of kept the OCU tradition alive for all the great golf. I mean, as – yeah, I love I love Coach Crabtree. He, when he reached out to me, I was really excited about coming because my big deal was I went to a big high school. We had a lot of success in Texas, and then junior college where I went was successful. So my big deal was I wanted to go to a program that had that. And so when he reached out, I was really excited. And then, um, you know, what I love about Coach is he's not honest like a drill sergeant at every practice. He treats us like adults. So – you know, if we were to go into the professional world of golf and all that, we should know what we have to work on to get better. And he allows us to have that freedom. Um, but he, he's done a good job with recruiting. We got a bunch of stellar freshmen in that can really play. And so our team's been looking good and we're excited for the rest of it and then all the way to nationals. Yeah, absolutely. All right, one more. We'll let you get out of here. Kind of a fun one at the end. So, your teammate, freshman, Dylan Teeter, we actually had the pleasure of interviewing him last year after the 6A state tournament. Did he tell you what our nickname for him was on the pod? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> All right. It's Bruce Arians because of the hats. So you got to go okay. back to practice. I don't know if you'll be practicing today since there's a, a <laughs> blinding blizzard, but you got to go back to practice and, uh, and, and talk to him about Bruce Arians since he wears the hats. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. Good, good stuff. What do you I, I don't think I was going to Go ahead. Go ahead. Today. I wasn't going to play anyway today. After being stuck in 50-mile-per-hour winds, my body's <laughs> a little sore and all that. I bet it is. Our tournament, yeah, our next tournament's in five days from now, and I don't. I think we're going to play one day before that five days because of the weather. So. Yeah, where, where's the next tournament we're, at? We're going to be at Gallardia Country Club in Oklahoma City. For UCO's tournament, correct? Yes, sir. Fantastic. Awesome. Will, we appreciate you taking some time. Best of luck to you uh, and your team. Hopefully, we can talk to you again later in the year after y'all hoisted a trophy. I appreciate it. Thank you all. All right. Thanks, Will. Yeah, take care. That was Will Four from Oklahoma City University joining us here on the 73rd hole. Appreciate him taking some time today. They've got a good team over there. The Stars do both on the men's and women's side with great performances winning out in Vegas this past week and a great week from Will as he finishes second as an individual. A lot of great golf being played in the Oklahoma area. Um, Just Top to bottom, OU, OSU, all the way down to uh, D2, D3, NAIA. Just great, great golf played in this state. Uh, Sam, you were gone last week. So Taylor and I recorded the Genesis preview. I don't know what else we talked about that day. Genesis recap is what Genesis recap. I was here for the preview. Yeah, yeah, the Genesis recap uh, where we talked a little bit about the Big Cat. We talked about Neiman, some other things. So you, you listened back, and you've got some thoughts. Fire away. I do have one big glaring thought. Oh. Okay. You guys make it seem like there's zero chance that Tiger Woods plays at Augusta. Don't say you guys. I said small chance. Small. I T-Dub said small. said zero. Zero. Zero percent. Okay. And I will tell you why he will play at Augusta National. Did you see him motoring up those stairs, T-Dub? <laughs> he looked like a new man with a new leg and a new back. 
and he said he's been practicing, and you said there's no chance that he'll play in the Part 3 and the Masters. Of course he will. He's going to play the Part 3 tournament with Charlie and then play in the Masters. He will do both. He will compete in the Masters. Tiger Woods will make the cut in the Masters this year. Let's freaking go. <laughs> Sam. I offered to double and triple our bet. How come you don't want to do it if you're so confident? I already made the bet. I don't need to double or triple the bet. I am just so confident that Tiger Woods Why? will play at Augusta National this year that I am just so fed up with people saying there's zero chance. He said he's been practicing. You think that Tiger Woods, of all people, is going to pass up on a Masters when he can play and play well and has been practicing and is able to motor upstairs like he's freaking Usain Bolt? I mean, the guy looked beautiful. It was awesome. Tiger Woods is going to play in, in the Masters. He will be at the PGA at Southern Hills. I am Riding to my grave with that statement. Sam, you, you're, you, you got the golf club back, so you need to remember how hard walking a golf course is because for some reason you're tending to forget that. It's not, Tiger is it's not, not gonna that be able hard to walk five, walking when you have a caddy. He, he'll be able to walk it the course. It is when you have a shattered ankle. He so, doesn't have Sam, a shattered ankle Sam, anymore. Three he, weeks ago, you said walking a golf course was the worst thing in the world. It is for me, not for Tiger <laughs> freaking Woods. Tiger is going to play at Augusta National. I, I, what, you want to make it two pizzas, three pizzas, five I don't need pizzas. to double I'm the bet. And you know what? I hope you're right. I don't need to double the bet. Oh, fine. Hey, I, I like made the bet. Away. You know that, Sam. Pay me alone. I, I, I want hideaway. I don't need to double the bet. All I'm saying is. You can buy out of your bet if you want, Sam. I mean, you can ride it like you rode the, the Europeans in the Ryder Cup, man, but it's just I don't not need to buy out of one pizza. Out. I don't need to buy out of one pizza. All I'm saying is, I can't believe the fact that you guys are just acting. Not just you guys. You said Z. Or T-Dub said zero. Colby said small chance. I, I don't think he'll play Augusta. But okay. I, but, I, but I definitely think he could. But, okay. But if you're just asking me yes or no, I would guess But no. I was stunned when. From the things that I heard from him at Riv, I was more confident than he would play in Augusta, and T-Dub comes on and acts like there's no chance? What? I, I, well, the main thing that I'm going to say is, and I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on this, even if he does play, he's not playing the part three contest. He's not going. He's going to take such a light break if he is playing the tournament. It's, he's not even hardly going to do much prep at all. So I don't think there's any chance that if he plays the tournament, he plays the part three at the same So. Even if even if I do, I'm going to stick with a zero percent chance that he plays. But I will say there is a 100 percent chance that there is a zero percent chance that he plays the part three and the tournament in the same week. Hundred percent chance then, that there's a zero percent chance that there's a 69 percent chance that he's the greatest player of all time. <laughs> there's a hundred percent chance he's the greatest player. By, of all by time. the way, did y'all see the stat yesterday oh, for, for Tuesday? Do what? So, so yesterday was Tuesday. It was two. 22 of 22, and it was a fun time to bring up the stat that Tiger Woods in his career has a 22.2 winning percentage, which is the highest wow. of all time. That's amazing. It was and I, saw, and I saw that Pinehurst number two was giving out free rounds yesterday on Were Twitter. they? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I would have caught in a quick quick flight. Uh, yeah. Free well, they rounds. weren't giving out free rounds. They were giving it out to people, like certain people who retweeted their tweet. Oh, uh, okay. okay. It was like you had it to win like a free round. It was like a couple round. free rounds, okay. right? Okay. And then... Uh, 
not as serious as Tiger, but I did want to say that uh, you guys were saying you would get DQ'd for signing for a higher score. It, you just have to take the higher score. You don't get DQ'd for signing for oh, a really? higher score than you actually make. I didn't actually know that rule. Yeah, if you see, sign- that, that that is correct. I didn't know. I do think it may be different on the PGA Tour, though, Sam. I don't know if it's the case. USGA rule is different, but for some reason, I thought that on the tour, if you sign any correct at all. But yes, the USGA rule is that if you sign for higher. You just take the higher speed. Right, right. Um, so, Honda Classic, boys. Honda Classic? Zach Johnson. Why oh, are you just trying he, to brush over the GOAT? <laughs> okay. Zach Johnson. This is actually hilarious. T-Dub texted. He said, Zach Johnson, next Ryder Cup captain this morning, and I laughed at it. I put a ha-ha next to it. I thought that they were joking that Zach Johnson is the next Ryder Cup captain, but as Colby said off the air, when you think about it, who else is it going to be? They're not going to name Phil. They're okay. not going to name Phil this week. Also, put some respect on the golfer in the history of the game <laughs> who has the most majors, tied for the most majors, with the last name Johnson. Okay, wow. I mean, there's a fun fact for the day. Also, <laughs> it's not going to be Tiger. He's trying to get his game in shape and his body in shape. His damn sure ain't going to be Phil. They're not really on good terms right now. I mean, they're not going to give it to Davis Love the third for a third time in the last decade. Steve Stricker... I mean, my God, it almost you, killed him this fall. You know what's interesting about Yeah, it almost did. That was dead serious. That was super serious. Yeah, that's uh, super serious. It, real quick about Stricker, T-Dub off the air was like, can you imagine going from Stricker to Zach Johnson? Well, when you look at it, Zach Johnson actually had the better career. Zach Johnson, underrated. T-Dub, go. Zach Johnson is underrated. You know, guys, I, I'm looking here at the career money, money earnings, and Zach Johnson is 15th all-time, 47 million dollars he has earned wow. uh, over his course of time so yes very underrated two major championships one of what like four players or whatever it is to win at augusta and st andrews so i mean that's pretty that's pretty big baller right yeah so here are the guys who have won the masters who have won at the old course and who have captained a winning Ryder cup team those names are sam sneed sevi ballesteros and jack nicholas if the u.s wins the Ryder cup <laughs> on 2023 which will be on european soil The U.S. has not had, I almost said Oklahoma, the U.S. has not had a ton of success on European soil, but if they get it done, then Zach Johnson's name will sit alongside, again, Sam Snead, Seve Ballesteros, and Jack Nicklaus, four of the GOATs. Golf's big four, as they're commonly known. Here's the deal, though, is anyone could captain this Ryder Cup team, and they would go out and win. In Europe? Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man. Taylor, maybe I just have too much. No, here's the deal. I'm never picking the Europeans again. (laughs) (laughs) I can't pick the Europeans again, so I have to be pretty pretty bold about what I say about the U.S. Okay, Taylor. Now, what your actual thoughts about Zach Johnson as a captain, and do you, like I do, have just a little too much scar tissue to just assume that the Americans are going to go roll them on European soil? Yeah, the problem is that European soil thing right there, and I, I think that, you know, Zach Johnson, I do think that it was a, a pretty good captain's pick. It's or, or a, ca- a pick to be a captain. Like I said, who else would it have been? Stricker almost died from it. So let's not let's not put him in there. So um, I, I do think that, you know, kind of like I said, um, you know, after this year's Ryder Cup, I thought that for the next 20 years, I think there only be like one or two times where the visiting team wins the Ryder Cup. So I think that home soil has so much to do with it. And I will say this, guys, Zach Johnson definitely has a, a long hill to climb as the captain's going to have a stellar a stellar roster, obviously. But one thing to also note, guys, is 
you know, who's going to be the European captain? You know, a lot of talks about Stinson and Poulter with the Saudi stuff coming around. Who knows if they'll get it? So I think that would be interesting as well because, you know, a lot of times we just look at who the captain is, but a lot of times it's captain versus captain. And, you know, like, for example, Padraig Harrington probably has a more established career with three major championships than Stricker did, but Stricker just went out there and mopped the floor with them. So hopefully we can have something like that. But I agree with you. As long as it's on European soil, going to be really hard for the Americans. It is funny that you bring that up because we talked about whether the Ryder Cup might ban a player who goes over to Saudi. Could they ban a captain such as a Westwood or a Poulter or a Stinson? I guess they could. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they could. By the way, they Zach Johnson. They would never name him in the first place, I guess. Z- Zach Johnson, more majors than Tom Weisskopf, than Hal Sutton, Bob Tway, Larry Mize, um, in Woosnam, in Baker Finch, Fred Couples, Tom Kite, Paul Azinger. John Rom. Tom Lehman. John Rom. <laughs> Ricky Fowler. Yeah. Ricky Fowler. Oh, also, I'm very partial to Zach Johnson because he's a little guy who has to beat people by laying up and getting up and down <laughs> with a wedge and making putts. That's where I live, baby. <laughs> I relate to Zach Johnson, obviously, on a very, very uh, higher handicap level. All right, enough on Zach Johnson. He'll be the captain for the U.S. Ryder Cup in 2023. We still don't know who it's going to be on the European side because they are still figuring out some things with who was and wasn't going to Saudi and whether those guys are going to be able to captain the European Ryder Cup team. So that'll be something to keep an eye on over the coming months. Gentlemen, it is finally time to set our sights on the bear trap. The Honda Classic, one of the toughest events of the year, usually an average finishing score uh, higher than its counterparts on the PGA Tour. A lot of times, single digits under par will win this. If the weather gets really bad, you could even see four, five, six under par win this. Um, It's a a good event. It's a good tournament. It's a good course. A lot of good memories there with Tiger, the Sunday 62, I think it was, trying to chase down some of the other guys. Rory's played well there. Brooks has a runner-up there. But... Lately, it's gotten sandwiched at a spot in the schedule where not a lot of the top guys show up. Tyler, do you have the strength of the field ready for us? I do, absolutely. What, what, uh, which one of you guys want to go first? Sam, you want to guess first strength of the field? You want me to? I will guess Here's 403. Top, top names, Sungjae, Berger, Brooks, Neiman, Louie, Billy, Fleetwood, and you guessed 403? Yep. I think you're on the high side. I think it's going to be... 237. Man, Colby, you were almost nailed it. It is a whopping 227 strength Ooh, of field this week. Wow. I'm getting good. Just, just, to go on, just to go on comparison stakes there, last week, obviously, all top top 11 players in the world were playing strength of field was 685, and the waste management had a strength of field of 512. But we are looking at a higher strength of field than the Pebble Beach, which was 181. And so, you know, I, I think that the uh, the Mark Wilson Championship, as Azinger wants to call it, is kind of losing a little bit of its vibe, guys. <laughs> the Mark Wilson Championship. You know, a guy wins the Honda. You just remember. Mark Wilson's a guy you remember. You wins know who else Honda. won the Honda? Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Matt Jones, winner of the Honda Classic <laughs> one year ago. Defending champion. Uh, and we might as well just... Matt Matt down, Matt down. And now this is a guy that, if I'm not mistaken, T-Dub is very fun. I ride him every week. You get a guy like that, you got to ride him. I got to ride him until he lets me down. <laughs> I like, like Chris, Christian Zanehut let me down last week, missed his second cut in three years or whatever it is. So I ride him I every week. Him you get a guy like that, you got to ride him. I got to ride him until he lets me down. You got to ride him, T-Dub. 
And they let me down. They let me down. <laughs> but Matt Jones, I mean, you talk about a Honda playing some of fuck, man. 1,200 last week. We talked about last time. One, <laughs> over. We're totally off the rails. I love it. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. I All love right. it. I All can't right. even focus. Okay, Taylor, give us your stat now, and I won't interrupt it with the Matt Jones sounder. Uh, I had my stat. My, I lost it. I'm not sure which one I'm referring to. Matt. 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 Down. All right, let's just do our DraftKings lineups. Uh, Taylor, since you couldn't make it here through the snow and the ice and the wind and the sleet and the conditions, we will let you go first on your DraftKings picks. Go ahead and give us your cheapest option. All right, so I have to do a little bit of a curveball here, guys, because I I got 6,600 left in my lineup, and I am so debating between players. So I will give my cheapest pick. At the end of the show, I will go with uh, my second cheapest option. I will go with uh, Stuart Sink. 7,100, you look at it, guys, he's played here numerous amount of times and has not missed a cut. And, I mean, he's missed a cut a couple of times, but um, but not uh, not extensively in the last, what, eight years or something like that. I'm trying to get my page to pull up here, and I lost it. But, nevertheless, I'm rolling with Stuart Sink, 7,100. I think that's really good price. Has made three or four cuts this year and has not missed a cut here since 2009, guys. So, I really love Stuart Sink at that value. Boys, my cheapest option – is relatively expensive as far as cheapest options go. 7500 is my cheapest guy I'm running out in my lineup this week. It's a guy who's won here before. Show me a little Michael Thompson love. He had a couple of good starts out on the West Coast. Uh, never really was in contention to win, but some decent starts. He's a very hit-or-miss guy. You accept the fact that you're taking the risk when you play Michael Thompson. He could miss the cut. But I like his chances this week. He, he's a guy who's played well here in the past, like I said. Uh, for a Michael Thompson who misses, you know, probably uh, quite a few cuts throughout his career, only two MCs here. That win was all the way back in 2013, but he's been a top 20 finisher here two of the last three years. So I'll take my chances with Michael Thompson, cheapest option at 7,500. Sam, give us your first two. All right, my cheapest option is Sam Stevens getting his first PGA oh. Tour start this week at the Honda Classic. The APT legend from Kansas and the OJGT when he was younger, 6,100. Sam Stevens is going to come out and make the cut in his first ever PGA Tour start. Uh, And then my second cheapest option is another guy that I played junior golf with, Davis Riley. I think that the Honda Classic would be a perfect time for him to kind of break through a great ball striker, solid around the greens, and I think that the Honda Classic might not be, you know, the biggest birdie fest in the world, so I think that it sets up perfect for Davis to kind of go out there, shoot a couple low rounds, and put himself in kind of contention on the weekend. I like what you're thinking there, especially with Sam Stevens. Big congrats to him getting his first start on the PGA Tour this week. Hopefully he has a lot of success out there. Uh, My next guy, 7,500, I'm going Chris Kirk. Chris Kirk's a guy that's, uh, again, pretty hit or miss. I'm I'm going fairly hit or miss with my lineup this week, kind of mixing it up a little bit. Uh, Top 15 in his last start at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Had a top 25 here a year ago, so I'll run Chris Kirk out at 7,500. And then, Taylor, go ahead and fire away with your next two. All right, so I'm going to go up to, once again, kind of filling out the rest of my lineup here. So I'm, I'm still working on that cheapest option. 7,700, I'm going to go KH Lee. I think this might be the value of the week, guys. So you look at it, and in 10 rounds here, he's gained a .87 strokes on the field. Finished T7 three years ago, um, T38 before that. Missed the cut here last year, but I think he's going to rebound. You look at KH Lee, 
He's uh, made the cut in, I believe, every tournament he's played so far this year. So that's five for five. One of them is the Century Tournament Champions without a cut. But still, uh, principle's still the same. Then I'm going to go up. I will have another cheap guy in here. I'll list those off at the end. But 9,600, I think there's a guy who's going to be really popularly owned and has been playing really good golf. I just don't have enough confidence to run him out my one and done. But I'm going to use him on DraftKings. That's Billy Horschel, the Florida Gator himself. I mean, I think that he's kind of striking a little bit of form. Horschel's one of those kind of underrated guys that can get on heaters and you don't really notice it as much. Um, you know, he's, he's notorious for those comments that he made last year of thinking that, you know, if you finish outside the top 30, you shouldn't get paid or something like that when that's really how he makes all of his living. So, you know, in, in 28 rounds here, he's gained 0.64 strokes on the field. So he's he's been hit or miss at this course, finished fourth here in 2017, 16th and 2019. So I, I expect Billy Horse should be on one of those little mini runs that he gets all right, boys, I'm telling you, there's a guy you don't want to let get hot with the putter. I think he's getting hot. What a guy who finished third here last year, Denny McCarthy. Denny, Denny McCarthy missed the cut in his last event at the Waste Management, but prior to that, 12th at Pebble, 6th at the American Express. Uh, had a couple of three top 15 finishes in the fall, all in November, three top 15 finishes. Playing good golf, just the one bad week in Phoenix. I like his chances to roll in a lot of putts on this tricky Bermuda in the wind down there at the Honda Classic. So I'll run out Denny McCarthy, 7,800. Boys. I said I would never do it again. Sam, stop. What are you doing? <laughs> I said, I called him a bum. Last week. <laughs> Last time I was on air. Sam, he, no. He, he's sitting there. He's sitting there at 7,600. I'm going to turn your mic off. He's finished first here before. He's finished second here before. He's finished seventh here before. He's finished sixth here before. Give me Ricky Fowler at 7,600. I'm putting him in my DraftKings one more time, Ricky. You get three chances. You get three <laughs> strikes, and you're out. You have two right now. He's his last his last five starts. He's gone 55th, miscut, 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 40th, 44th. He, I mean, he's due. Then, okay, here's, he's due. Here's all I want to say. When he inevitably misses the cut by one shot, you're not allowed to come in next week and be mad at him. You can only come in and be mad at yourself for doing what you said you would never do. I, I enjoy being able to come in and just rag on Ricky Fowler a little bit. It's going to be epic if he misses the cut for you again but, at the Honda. But he's going to finish top 10, boys. Okay. He's due. If, okay. if I was going to put Ricky Fowler in my DraftKings lineup one more time, it has to be this week. It would definitely be at the Honda. All right, who's your next most expensive? And my next most expensive on DraftKings. Still can't believe you threw Ricky out there. That was uh, well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. Is uh, Johnny Vegas at 8,500. Johnny Vegas is actually a guy that Data Golf loves this week. Uh, he is the 10th ranked player on DraftKings as far as favorites go. He has a 68.2% chance to make the cut. And, you know, seven out of nine cuts made, and I'm looking for a guy that can make the cut in the 8,500 number. And, you know, Rick, we know Ricky's not making the cut, so I need all five of these other guys to make the cut. Uh, so I'm going with Johnny Vegas this week. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, my next pick, uh, pretty pretty simple, pretty easy to ascertain. I ride him every week. You get a guy like that, you got to ride him. <laughs> I got to ride until he lets me down. <laughs> I got to ride him, boys. See, Basil, Christian Bezadenhut. Christian Bezadenhut is a genius. You want to hear why? Christian Bezadenhut knew I'm flying three time zones to my east after this tournament at the Genesis. 
Maybe this course doesn't set up for me that well anyway. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to miss the cut. I'm going to get a two-day jump on everybody else getting over to Florida, get my body clock adjusted. Prior to that, four straight made cuts, including a top 15 and a top 20. Christian Bezadenhut. Taylor, I don't know if you're jumping off the train after this week, but I'm just letting you know. He's coming in hot. I ride him every week. You get a guy like that, you got to ride him. I got to ride him until he lets me down. <laughs> he let me down, Colby. He, he took me on the horse, and he threw me off so far, it was unbelievable. So I, I cannot, in good conscience, ride my sea bezel. So in all honesty, That's why you got to save a horse and ride do- a sea bezel. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> whatever whatever sea bezels odds are to win the tournament you might as well go ahead and make like a hundred dollar wager on that because it's guaranteed to happen week after miscut so i'm gonna i'm gonna proceed on here i do not have uh, i do not have old sea bezel but once again you know since i was kind of fixing my lineup here i'm a little bit off the order but i'll go ahead and read it off so i'll have my uh, second cheap or my cheapest guy at the end still um 8700 uh, friend of the show, Caddy Scott Twig. Give me Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon's been playing some good golf. Finished 14th at the Waste Management Strong Field. Uh, finished third back at the American Express, the old Bob Hope Tournament. So I, I really like, uh, really like Brian Harmon this week. And you know, one thing to look at it, guys. You know, looking at him at this course, you know, he's he hasn't finished particularly high. He only has one finish in the top 30 since 2013. But also has only missed was that three cuts in there. And also, I think that he's playing a lot better golf right now than he was back then. So really love. Brian Harmon. And then my most expensive pick, guys, another guy I think is going to be highly owned this week, but I just couldn't ride with it. He's been playing some good golf over in Europe, but I, I just, like I said, I couldn't convince it for the one and done. But he, he has, out of everyone who's played this course more than once, he's gained by far the most strokes. He's finished fourth and third here at this tournament. That's fairway Jesus. I think Fleetwood's going to have a really good week. I think he'll probably, I would say, a top 15 finish is on the way for fairway Jesus. Fairway Jesus, I like, Sam, can you sing the, the song for us? Tommy, 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 Fleetwood. Matt down, oh, Matt down, oh, Matt down. <laughs> I ride him every week. You get a guy like that, you got to ride him. I got to ride until he lets me down. All right, we're on a roll. We are really on a roll Who's with the Sounders it? today. It's mine. It's mine. I got a great pick lined up for you. Pistols firing. Good night, Vienna. Alex Norin. Oh, Ooh. he's been playing some solid golf he's lately. He's been playing some solid golf. He had a chance late at Waste Management Phoenix Open. Pretty much everybody late had a chance to make some birdies there. Uh, didn't get it done. Finished the sixth there. Makes the cut last week at Genesis. Made the cut at the Farmers as well. Did take a week off in there, so I don't think he's going to be dealing with burnout. Uh, he did not play that week at Pebble. He has a top five finish here. He finished third here in 2018. He's been hit or miss. Four starts here, two made cuts, uh, and, and then two missed cuts including the third-place finish. So I think Alex Norin this week, he's playing some good golf. Look, the reality is the Honda, I think, is pretty random. There's so many water hazards. Water hazards on 15 of the 18 holes. The wind kicks up. It's a brutal golf course. There's landmines everywhere. You can, I mean, you can play some good golf and then have a blow-up hole where you make triple and it kills you round. So if you have a gut feeling about somebody, go with it. I've got a gut feeling about Alex Norin, so I'm running him out. Go ahead, Sam. My next cheapest option is Billy Horschel at 9,600. He finished sixth last time he teed it up uh, at the Waste Management Open. He finished 11th at the Farmers, uh, 36th at the Sony Open, and at the Century finished 23rd. So some consistent play from him, at least making the cut and you know kind of being in contention on the weekend. And in Florida, you got to pick guys that love that Bermuda grass because a lot of guys don't. 
And Billy Horschel Billy Horschel is that Florida Gator type guy who will obviously play some good golf on that Bermuda grass. And, you know, his recent form is better than guys like a uh, like a Shane Lowry who Data Golf actually loves this week, or, you know, uh, a Louis Oosthuizen. His recent form is better than those guys, so I, I kind of like Billy Horschel uh, at 9600 And then my most expensive option, I mean, it's obvious, Sung M this week. I mean, if you don't pick Sung J this week, you will be losing money. I don't think that necessarily he might win the tournament. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, because his recent form hasn't been great. It's been solid, but not great. Uh, but he obviously, he, he's the Bermuda grass king, right? I, I mean, Sung J.M. is the Bermuda grass king, and he always plays well in the state of Florida. So I'm rolling with Sung J as my most expensive option at 11000 and I'll pick him in one and done as well. Yeah, Taylor, you already threw mine out. Fourth here in 2018, third here in 2020. Every other year he comes and plays the Honda. Every other year he top fives. Don't know that he's going to get a win because it's tough to just pop over. Let's just pop over to the U.S. real quick and get a win on the tour. That's tough to do. But I do think Tommy Fleetwood will be a high finisher this week. Played some good golf at the Saudi International. Uh, played some good golf uh, a couple weeks prior to that in Dubai, I believe, as well. So on form, Good course history. I'll run Tommy Fleetwood out as my most expensive at 9900 Taylor, have you finally crafted your entire lineup? All right, so, guys, I, I think that I, I was able to finally figure it out. I had a little bit of uh, Sam Humphreys in me this morning trying to figure out last of the lineup. But I do think I did find my boy here, guys. And that's Adam Svensson at 7000 I think this is a really, really good play for the cheapest in my lineup. The reason I like him so much is he played golf down at, at Barry College, which is in, in Florida, so he's probably got a little bit of experience in that weather on the Bermuda, those type of greens. And also, too, you know, looking back on it, finished seventh at the Sony at the start of the year. But since then, three events, American Express, Torrey, and Pebble Beach, made the cut in all three of those events as well. Didn't finish particularly high, but still made the cuts. I, I expect Spenson to have a good week this week. And I do believe, guys, in his only appearance here, he uh, he finished 59th, so made the cut back in 2019. And is a little bit better player now than he was then. So I really like that being my cheapest pick. And I will say this, guys. I really wanted to get Sung Jay in there. Obviously, I can't use him in one and done because I already used him at the first term of the year. But I think Sung Jay is going to have a really good week. It, it's just really hard because in a strength of field of 227 or whatever it is, it's hard to get enough of bottom bottom players to make you feel confident about your lineup. You know what you got to do with bottom players? I ride them every week. You get a guy like that, you got to ride him. I got to ride until he lets me down. <laughs> Uh, I noticed nobody See, this week. Gosh, damn it. Nobody picked the defending champion. Matt. Matt. Down, oh, Matt. Down, oh, Matt. Down. It's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. <laughs> it is. He could be coming down the stretch on Sunday. Don't blink. You'll miss him hitting his shots. It's that fast. It is that fast. All right. It's one and done time. And we need to significantly improve. <laughs> we can't get worse. As a show from what happened a week ago. It's so, been so bad. So last week. I initially had Matthew Fitzpatrick, who was a withdrawal. I pivoted to Will Zalatoris, who was like T26. Sam, you went ahead and ran off DJ, which... Ooh, went ahead and missed the cut. You, that's called strokes lost DJ. You lost strokes to the field by picking DJ last week at the Genesis. It wasn't go DJ, it was no DJ on It was the no DJ last week. And then Taylor, you had our guy, Taylor Gooch, who had a great weekend on Twitter where he was just absolutely torching people. Not his best weekend at the Riv, uh, but I'm sure he'll bounce back nicely. Hopefully next week at the Arnold Palmer. Uh, I think he's going to be in that event. So, one and done for this week. I had Zalatoris. I was the only moneymaker last week, so I'll go ahead and fire it out. 
I'm going to go with the guy that I really don't know where else I would use him. It's Tommy Fleetwood, man. Playing good golf across the pond. He comes over here. You know, his name hasn't been involved in any of this Saudi stuff, really, in, in a serious way. As far as I know, he hadn't had, had to really deal with it and deal with the distractions of it. He's coming over to a place where in two, two starts, he's finished top four both times. It's just... It seems like a low-risk, high-reward play because it seems like at worst he'll make the cut and make you some money. So I'm going to run out Fleetwood this now, week. Now, are you saving Sungjae for a reason? Um, Not particularly. I think that Sungjae will be the highest owned this so week. So you're trying and to go and against the grain a little bit? A little bit, yeah, yeah. because, I mean, there's a bunch more tournaments on Bermuda this year that I can use Sungjae at. Um, also, I mean, it's tough to win the same tournament twice. It's tough time to, tough to win it twice in just a few years, and Honda's somewhat random with all the water and all the difficulty. So I did seriously consider Sungjae, decided to go with Fleetwood. Sam, who you got? I'm rolling with Sungjae. T-Dub? All right, so, boys, I'm going to roll with another year being here. I'm <laughs> about doing fairway, Jesus. I do, do like Sungjae this week. If I hadn't used is it still bad? <laughs> or Sam just laughed. Just keep going. We're just – we're fighting through it. We're fighting through it, baby. It's There's a blizzard outside <laughs> – Connections are not great, but we're fighting through it. T.W., you sound like you're at about a .18 right now, but just keep rolling. For people that don't know, we've tried hey. to do this twice now. Hey, we, we live off perfection, baby, so I'll make this quick. 12-24, 14th, and three events over in Europe. I've never missed a cut here four out of four times. That's man Shane Lowry, and a uh, great analytics site, Data Golf loves him as a fourth favorite this week ahead of some really good players. So I really love Shane Lowry this week. I'm actually really confident in my one of them. All right, I love it. T-Dub, your connection is gone for the day. <laughs> Why don't you call it and get out of here, and uh, we'll wrap this thing up. I, I, I'm going to get out of here, try to avoid as much chaos as I had. Great work, boys. Talk to y'all soon. All right, that's Taylor Williams <laughs> joining us here on the 73rd hole intermittently no, it throughout the morning. No, it wasn't Taylor Williams. It was Taylor <laughs> Williams. All right, so he's got Shane Lowry. I bit the cheese on Shane Lowry a year ago at this tournament, and uh, he kind of burned me with like a 36-place finish or something. But yep. anyway, some you best, got any bets. best bets. Yep. I, I actually really like long shots at this tournament. We see a lot of triple-digit to one winners. A guy just inside that number, Aaron Rye. Had a good performance a few weeks ago. I believe it was out at Torrey where he played really well. Uh, he could be a guy that's looking to sneak up and get his first win. A guy who got his first win last year, kind of in the same part of the country up in South Carolina, Garrick Higo. Yep. I mean, Garrick Higo, I think, is a potential to hoist the trophy this year. Uh, and if you go even a little bit further down, if you want to get to, to some really long shots, I don't know that this guy is a great play, but since we've hit every other sounder this week. Then we're going to find our best friend Doug and then we're going to give him a best friend hug. Shortened version, 175 to 1. <laughs> I mean, he did play well in Florida at the concession. Doug, 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 Doug. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I don't necessarily have a great best bet this week. I will fade guys like Lowry, and I will also fade Berger um, just because of their recent form, not because of how they've played on this course in the past. Um, Data Golf actually really likes them this week. I kind of disagree. Um, Louis Oosthuizen, kind of same thing. You know, it, he actually has some decent recent form, but, you know, he's missed the cut here, what, the last two years? Yep. Or, yep. no, yeah, the last two years. Yeah, he years. struggled here. No, the last one year, and then he, he finished 24th. And, his his uh, card here is mostly yeah. missed cuts, though. Yeah, it's, it is. He, and, he struggled uh, here. You know, so I, I kind of would roll with either, you know, Horschel or – 
M or Neiman. Uh, Another guy up here uh, on one and done who is kind of one of the top guys is Patrick Reed. You guys were talking about Patrick Reed in the last show. We were. And I did want to say that I have done that before. You have pulled the liner of your pocket out to wipe your club off. To not get the dirt on the outside of the pants. You get the dirt in the pocket lining of the pants so you don't get the white shorts dirty. Fair enough. And and I I fully think that's what Patrick Reed was doing. I think that's exactly what he was doing. And kind of like we talked about Monday, if it wasn't Patrick Reed, nobody would have questioned it. Because he wiped his club face first and then wiped the lining. Do you see what I'm saying? He didn't wipe his pocket and then wipe the club face. I think ultimately it was much ado about nothing, and it really only became a thing because it was Patrick Reed. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So... All right. Uh, by the way, Taylor Moore sixty-six to one. Ricky Fowler seventy to He's one. He's getting a little bit of love on uh, DraftKings. He is. By the way, the uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboy with the best odds this week, Alex Noren, yep. thirty-three to one. By far the best odds of any of the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Brooks is in the field this week. Neiman, Louie. So there will be some good uh, marquee groups to watch on ESPN Plus over the next couple of days. Hope everybody enjoyed this chaotic show. It was a lot of fun. Everybody, seriously, if you're in the state of Oklahoma, most of our listeners are. Stay safe. This weather today, tomorrow, the roads are not going to be good. Don't get out if you have if you don't have to. If you do have to get out, be careful. Be safe. Will Ford, thank you for joining the show and. For our college golf lovers out there, go watch at Gallardia, assuming that they have the tournament and there's no snow on the ground. Yeah, exactly. That'll be, what do you say, five days? Five days from now? Yeah. Five days from Wednesday, and, if you're listening. And to today's this. Wednesday. Yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday. So Monday, February 28th yep. is when that tournament will be starting. Uh, I will be headed out to the mountains to strap a couple pieces of wood to my feet okay. and go just so as fast as I can. going from snow to snow. Actually, I checked the uh, weather. We're going to Red River next week to go skiing. Yep. It's going to be like 48 and sunny every day that we're supposed to be skiing. We're going to be sweating. Well, is that good for skiing? Don't you want Honestly, it warmer? Honestly, that's, that's too warm, though, because the snow is going to get slushy. Okay. So it's the, the skiing won't be as good because it'll be so warm. From a comfort standpoint, yeah, I mean, we're just going to throw on a pair of ski pants and a light jacket probably. Probably hurts worse when you fall when you don't have a heavy jacket on, though. Yes, definitely. Definitely. No. That's it's fine. Like we you, won't do anything too crazy. What you throw on is like what those dudes had on in the Olympics. Yeah. The I mean, skin tight. I won't be <laughs> I would sh- love to see. Oh, I have God. seen you in a skin tight suit. Oh, the little Miha the- <laughs> fitness workout. All right. That's don't, enough for one day. Don't put that on a button. That's enough for one day. Everybody, <laughs> have a good week. Thanks for listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. I ride him every week. You get a guy like that, you got to ride him. I got to ride him until he lets me down. Matt. 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 Matt.